Welcome to Pilgrim Lost. Come walk with us while we explore life in hopeful motion. Hey, uh, before we get started, Mark, I wanted to tell you about something. I've, I've got a new, like, like walking superpower that uh, I, I've wow. stumbled upon in the last week that I must tell you has changed the game for me, has changed the walking game for me. So did you, did you listen to music much? Do you listen no. to music when you're trekking? Well, no, I mean, primarily because if you put on headphones, you can't hear the cyclist running up behind you. And it's, okay, becomes, yeah. <laughs> it becomes very, very dangerous. So any uh, attempt to listen to any music, the headphones were gone. So, no. I often do one earbud. I'm just kind of listening to a little music because that is that is a concern. But um, when back, you know, back in 2018, when I walked the Camino, um, you know, you get to that 15, 16 mile mark. And the body would start to shut down. The body would, you know, start to slow down. And I, I had this thing that would happen every once in a while. A song would come on, and it would have this ability to like infuse my walking with like renewed power. And one of them was this song "Come Alive" from the musical Greatest Showman. And that song would come on. All of a sudden, I would find myself like new energy, and I'd be walking back up at my full like optimal pace. It was great. And I sort of done some a little bit of research, and I just think it was the beats per minute of the song that 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 particular song is right in line with like my optimum stride, and it would really. And so you know, I'm I'm leaving here not, next month for the Camino again, and I was thinking about this like how do I how do I tap into this renewed energy power of this song, and um, I found jog. Fm online and it it is a website for people who want who basically want songs of a particular beat per minute like if you want to build out a playlist i went in i put in 118 beats per minute which is what uh that song from the greatest showman is and i have built a playlist of almost 30 songs that are all perfectly to my optimum oh, walking so pace. Cool. that is so cool so when in when in doubt apparently uh I can I can just turn it on and um, and uh, you know the, the a Whitney Houston song might just invigorate my walking or a little <laughs> Michael Jackson will suddenly come on or some Journey or whatever happens to be on my playlist and so I'm pretty excited about that. That's very cool. Very cool. At one eighteen, you said one eighteen beats per minute for me is perfect. <laughs> So this has been a this has been a big deal. So we need to go get jog.fm to sponsor the podcast. We should, we should definitely. Because I can definitely support their work online. Because I am a user of their website. <laughs> All right, let's uh let's get to today's guest. <laughs> yeah, we are uh delighted, thrilled, and honored to have Dominic Parisian uh, join us from the uh the frozen tundra of the north. He's calling calling in from Hamilton, uh, Canada, and uh, we are just delighted to have him. I met Dominic and his beautiful wife, Jen, on the Camino. We uh, had some meals together. We had some visits together. And I, I, coming back, there were just a, a handful of really extraordinary people and stories that, that I encountered while I was away, and Dominic was, was one of those. 
it's really, really something special. So wow. we reached out to Dominic to see whether or not he was able to uh, prize some time away from family and career and all the stuff he's up to to see if he could take take some time with us. And he's going to join us today. So with that, uh, we'll, I will exit and we will uh, bring in Dominic. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for sharing yeah. a friend with us. Dominic. Hi, Tony. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Now that I've got my 118 playlist, I'm I'm, I'm newly invigorated. Hey, um, so Dominic, say, I love that you mentioned that because my wife actually uses that. She runs. Yeah. I struggle with running, but she loves running, and she actually uses beats per minute in terms of determining the songs for it. So as soon as you mentioned that, I was listening and nodding along vigorously because yeah. it's tremendously useful for her. I'm probably just a late adapter. There's probably tons of people out there that are doing this, but I was I was like, how am I going to build this playlist? It's super confusing. And of course, it's just a website dedicated to helping you pull it off. So thank you, Jen, for being an early adapter to what I'm just coming around to. Um, so Dominic, you just got back from the Camino, which is great. You walked the full Francaise, is that correct? Yes, all the way to Finisterre. And then all the way to Finisterre, which um, is an additional... 60 kilometers 80 kilometers uh, it's another 90 kilometers 90 kilometers from um from santiago to, to the ocean to the easternmost point yes westernmost point. slightly confusing because then you hit that but then you reach the lighthouse and you have to walk back into finisterre so right <laughs> so you're adding like you know another four four or five kilometers it's it's just shy of 100 kilometers actually. yeah yeah, I, I walked it as well when I got to um, Santiago. My legs just, I didn't think I was going to, but my legs couldn't stop. They just wanted to keep walking. So I moved on ahead. So um, just give me a, give us a quick sort of 10,000 foot. How was the experience for you? Uh, tremendous. The, I, I have been using the occasionally the word grueling. Um, it was both transformative and grueling, and I think those go together, uh -huh. uh, at, at least for me. <laughs> so that's that's really you know like the the short of it is uh, it, it was transformational, and I know that's an overused word uh -huh. for something uh, like the Camino, um, but I have also never gone anywhere on my own because of my health, so. In addition to the physical aspects of it, there was a tremendous psychological element associated with doing such a significant distance by myself. Okay, well, that, that's a fairly ominous thing to say because of my health, and I don't want to pry, but can you tell me a little bit? Because I don't know any details at all. Right. Uh, so I have chronic daily pain. Um, I have debilitating headaches that essentially I'm in pain every minute of every oh, day. No. I have uh, very se severe headaches. I get confusion. Um, I get dizzy spells. Uh, I can lose consciousness. Uh, I get very severe and violent convulsive episodes. So uh, my body essentially collapses and uh, it looks like a grand mal seizure, but I scream. Um, so it is 
very difficult. So for all of those, and I also only sleep uh, no more than four hours a day. So something along the, the physical challenges of the Camino is very difficult because it's possible for me to go one, two, three days without sleep occasionally. So combining all of those elements with physical exertion uh, was very difficult. All right. So I, I'm a little bit knocked off balance here because <laughs> that sounds that sounds um, insane. I mean, why why would you go on the Camino? Uh, various reasons. Um, the one that I usually say, you know, a lot of people hearing that it's associated with something like the Camino, they immediately assume, oh, you want to go to be healed. And in fact, it's absolutely not that for me. It really has to do with personal challenge and personal growth. Um, I had a number of people offer to travel the Camino with me and I turned it down specifically because as I mentioned earlier, I have never traveled any great length of distance alone. I will do hikes alone, and those already make um, family members and my wife nervous. But uh, they are very important to me. Uh, walking alone is the greatest freedom that I know. I can't drive. So Interesting. all of those things together... Um, bring a, a tremendous sense of, of autonomy, of freedom, and uh, of, and it's, walking is very important to me, both in terms of time for myself, but also connection. I feel uh, very connected to people when I walk because I take the time to dedicate extensive periods of time when I walk to people that I love. So I, I think about them when I walk alone, I often call people that I love. So it sounds like a completely solitary experience, but it's deeply connected to me on a human level. And is there a way, I mean, on a connected on a human level, is there a way that if you're choosing to live by doing it, I mean, choosing to embrace the, the optimal sort of spectrum of, of life in, in the midst of it, is that part of it as well? It is. Um, choosing choosing to live is a, a nice way of putting that, and it connects quite strongly for me because Interesting. I lived with fear for a very long time, and specifically I lived with other people's fear. Yes. Um, everyone in my life was afraid of me being alone. And so younger um taking a trip somewhere was an act of uh, assertion in a lot of ways that, you know, that I was allowed to have a life that made me happy and that, that fulfilled me. And I have wanted to walk the Camino for a long time and had determined that I probably never would because it would, um, I was going to say scare the living hell, uh, also the living hell out of, uh, Poop, shit. Poop, little, little, okay, yeah, it scared the living shit out of everyone in my life. And so I was constantly trying to modulate their fears in relation to that. Right. Um, and not doing a thing that I wanted to do. Wow. 
And eventually I started talking to my wife about it, who also had a very strong emotional reactive fear to it. And then yeah. instantly said, this is a great idea and you should do it. Wow. And uh, so she came around to it quite quickly, but mainly after saying, you know, because she knows I, I write and that I would write about it. And she said, well, I want to read it. I do not want to live it. <laughs> wow. Okay. So one thing, one thing that jumped out in that was here you are, you're living with this neurological condition. I don't know what else to call it, but um, yeah, chronic illness yeah. that affects you every day, affects your sleep, affects, I mean, real pain all the time. And yet you have to live your life modulating other people's fears and anxieties. You have to live your life sort of tending to the concerns of your family and friends. I mean, what an overwhelming burden. That's something that I think everybody experiences on a much lower level, you know, modulating other people's anxieties. But I can't even imagine it from your standpoint. I was certainly doing it to an unhealthy degree as well. Mm, good. Um, therapy helped significantly with acknowledging um, the fact that it is, you know, we have a, a responsibility to to each other and to the people we love, but also you cannot be at all times responsible for the emotions of the people around you. And in trying to do that, I was also making myself miserable. Wow. So that was, it was, it was quite a challenge. And, you know, I, I have a lovely life and family and all these parts and, of and course. it really was an internal struggle. It was really coming from me. And so when I started walking longer distances alone, uh, not just for the Camino, but sometime before, um, it really was a test both for myself and for the people around me. And the, and the Camino was the, the logical extension of all of that. You said that you, you'd wanted to go on the Camino for a long, long time, and you just assumed it was impossible. Mm -hmm. How did it become possible? Uh, through a series of changes. Uh, one, medical. Um, younger, I was... If, if that sounded already bad, what I described earlier, younger, it was much, much worse. Uh, I was in the hospital several days a week, um, basically wasn't sleeping. I was having multiple con terrible convulsive episodes a week. So my, my body was an absolute disaster. And over time, through medication and self-care and recognizing also my own limits, which was a very important thing for the Camino. Uh, for a very long time, I would not recognize that I had serious limitations. I did not want to admit that to myself, even though I've been chronically ill the vast majority of my life. And I was making myself struggle more. I was making myself even more ill by not working within those limits. And I also right. didn't have the medication that I have now. So what made it possible really was um, better doctors, better medication, a better understanding of what my body can and cannot do. Right. And uh, also challenging myself and my family to 
recognize that these risks are inherent with my life and that we all have to live with them. Right. Yeah, because of all, all the physical changes, medication, doctors, things like that, you, the longest journey probably is the belief system that yes. I'm, I'm going to allow this level of risk into my life because all of us mm-hmm. are imprisoned by a subjective construct of fear, of what is possible, what am I willing to do? How do I protect myself? How do I protect my children? How do I protect my home? How do I protect my dreams? Um, how do I make sure that I never get hurt again? Um, these are things that that confine all of us. And you had to come to a, a renewed belief system, a new possibility construct that made the Camino now within within the realm of possibility. Yeah, and it's it's funny because in terms of what is possible, some years ago, it probably would not have been possible, and not only because of the the medical aspects in terms of what my, the medication that I have and the treatment, um, but it would not have been possible because I did not have the same level of self-respect that I do now. Um, I had less concern for, for my physical well-being in my life and therefore was more willing to push in ways that were unhealthy. And eventually I came to a far more balanced understanding of that. And so, you know, if I would previously like walk, for example, um, instead of stopping at a proper time or asking for help or asking someone for a ride or that sort of thing, I'd push through because that's what you were supposed to do. You know, that's the heroic narrative. That's the expectation when you have pain or disability. I had inherited a lot of ableist notions around that. So I would push and then someone would find me convulsing on the side of the road because I had not listened to my body and I was listening to a narrative that didn't conform to my life and my body and also was deeply unhealthy. Right. Right. Dominic, are you in pain right now? Yes. Thank you for yeah, sharing the, the The truth of the matter is that mm-hmm. I'm in pain every minute of every day. Um, oh the degree to which I'm in pain fluctuates. So uh, especially on video, you might see that I will grimace periodically. And that's just a a larger pain jolt that comes through. But there is underlying pain there at, at all times. And a lot of people don't necessarily see it because they don't necessarily know what to look for. Uh, But it is very much there. We, I think we're all just grateful that you would spend a few minutes sharing in the midst of pain. That's just unbelievable. Well, I'm happy to be here <laughs> in every way, you know. <laughs> oh, what, what, what does it look like for you to listen to your body? Or what is it, that experience like? Uh, now, now it's a far more... I guess you would say holistic or positive 
uh, aspect before it was very adversarial. Hmm. Um, in in my younger days, I would recognize that my body was warning me for various things. My pain would increase. Uh, I'd be getting increasingly confused or shaky and and it was deeply adversarial um specifically around illness when you when you lack framework for it the frameworks that we inherit are things like you know the person uh, had a battle with illness for a very long time and and lost this in when they died or right this person overcame these things. So it, it is a necessarily confrontational and, uh, and, and combative approach to it, or at least it was for me because this is what I was hearing around me and the thing and the narratives that I inherited from media and the things that I was reading and also from a lack of, um, of people with similar experiences around me. And eventually it became far more, you know, conversational. Uh, it, it became far, it sounds weird having like a conversation with your body, but mm, no. it's more in terms of a conversation with yourself and, and listening to the things that you are experiencing. Yeah. It can be a bit tricky for something like the Camino because, you know, pain is not necessarily a negative thing we think of it negatively but when you're when you're walking if you are experiencing pain in certain areas it is your body telling you sending messages to you that something is wrong or that you are going right that you are pushing too much and when you have chronic pain it can be difficult to discern what's what mm. because i'm because sometimes i have overwhelming pain that i i don't always know if i if it's because I'm pushing too hard or if it's just because it's been several days and my pain has been steadily high. So that's certainly one of the challenges for me and, and in doing any kind of physical endeavor. So have having somehow managed to walk 500 miles, uh, over a period of weeks, which is shocking to me. Um, what, were the were the things that you were able to build into your trek to sort of make it more possible for you did you did you have to stay in hotels for instance so you had a room to yourself or like how did how did all that work yeah i think that's a really good question because um one of the things that i was paying particular attention to on the camino were people's ideas of what what you do on the Camino and what you're supposed to do. Yes. Yeah. Which One is a favorite topics on. Pilgrim exactly. Walk. It's I've, I've listened to, to episodes about this and to, you know, discussions and from other pilgrims and books and, and it's, it's an ongoing theme because for me, I, I am certain that I did it wrong in, in the ways that some people would assume. Hmm. You know, when when I set out, you wrong. said in a you know I walked. Yes, yes, you. It's wrong, wrong. with in giant quotation marks. <laughs> um, but you know when when I was in Saint Jean and I 
was at the pilgrim office, the woman asked, you know, how many days do you expect? And my response was, "Mm, maybe 40, maybe a little more. And she looked completely stunned. And she expected an answer because she she saw me, you know, I'm I'm 34 years old. I look quite fit or at least relatively fit. And she was sort of incredulous as to why it would take me that long because people, you know, can do like they can do it when they're doing 30 kilometers or more a day and you can do it in 30 something days. Right. And I was immediately envisioning, no, I'm, I am putting in days of rest. I am doing shorter days where, you know, I, I rarely went beyond 25 kilometers. And at first I tried doing a little more and eventually was decreasing down to about 22, sometimes a little shorter, depending on how much my body was, was struggling. And so... Yeah. I was doing, you know, very much at my own pace and I was consistently adjusting for that. Uh, I did stay in uh, not so much like not luxurious hotels, you know, in the way they stay at the Parador. And, you know, I wasn't doing like that, but I was taking uh, like hostels, like I was doing private rooms. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I was taking significantly longer to walk in the day than a lot of pilgrims were. Uh, sometimes I would arrive a solid two hours later than people who had left at the same time as I had. Sometimes even a little later, sometimes about the same time. It depended on the day. Right. Um, but it was an extremely adaptive um, journey for me. And and that's really one of the things that that made it possible. You know, there's a lot of people who will say that you need to be in the albergues to have that aspect of community and and struggle. And I did a handful of those and they were exceedingly difficult for me because of the the challenges to sleep and the difficulties with resting. And so I, it cost more than I would have liked uh, or, you know, that, that would have cost being in the really inexpensive albergues. But that compromise was one of the most important things to allow me to do it. Right. Excuse the um, ham-handedness of this next question, but did you did you experience dramatic convulsive episodes during the walk? Yes, um, I have a nifty new little scar up above my eyebrow. Mm. Uh, that one wasn't even from a convulsive episode; it was a blackout, and uh, I broke my glasses and split this open on some rocks i'm sorry um i had two major convulsive episodes uh on the walk two blackouts and some other just difficulties in terms of health and and struggles but uh, but those were the most you know uh, obvious ones but we had that expectation um and I also had a safety helmet with me. Um, so I had a, a very good quality hiking helmet, which is very, very light, uh, but very sturdy. And I had it strapped to the side of my backpack. 
And in any case of, um, well, if I was alone for a long period of time and I was struggling significantly, uh, too much pain, too much dizziness, that sort of thing. I did fall a few times as well, just a bit of a dizzy spell. And, um, and one of those times uh, I had the helmet and I had fell face first on some, some very sharp rocks. But again, the helmet took the whole hit. So I would wear it uh, anytime that I was alone for a really long period of time or if I was struggling too much or if it was obvious that I was going to have a convulsive episode, if my pain was getting to an unmanageable degree and, my, and I was starting to shake too drastically, I would ask the help of a pilgrim or anyone around me to help me strap the helmet on and then lie down and be prepared for that eventuality. There's an ancient Hebrew term that's uh, it's a, it's emblematic of courage, sort of what, and the best the best translation to English is is overcomer, uh, the one who overcomes. I just hear so much of that in your story. I just uh, it's very it's very inspiring. What was it What was it like for you to walk into Santiago? having overcome so much. So bef before I get to Santiago, I will I will make one note. Um, specifically within like uh, disability discourse and, um, and, and disabled communities, um, a lot of us are quite resistant to, to the word overcome. Interesting. Uh, and, and, and so am I, because for me, Doing this walk was never about overcoming um, my physical challenges and, and my disability. It was about doing it with them. Thank you. So, uh, and, and, you know, and I don't say that like in, in a way that's offended or anything of the sort. It's more that uh, it's a very common narrative around, around disability and, and for a lot of people, it overcoming sort of um, ignores a little bit sometimes the fact that you have to l listen to your body very actively and you have to work with what your limitations are. Because if you're constantly yes. striving to go beyond those, that's how you get injured. That's how you get sick. That's how you do not live within a way that is respectful of, of what you can do. And not everyone has that opinion. You know, some people in disability communities are quite flattered when you tell them right. something of that nature. Uh, but there is a, a great deal of resistance to that type of narrative. Thank you. I know that's a little divergent, but... Um, I like it. Uh, Santiago, walking into Santiago was very strange for me. Uh, I think it's the range of experiences for everyone is completely different. Uh, the thing that surprises people a little bit when I talk about doing the Camino is that Santiago meant nothing to me from the beginning. Okay. Um, Santi I wanted to walk the Camino as an, a level of personal challenge and as a as a cultural experience and very much as 
a way to get beyond my my fears in relation to my health. But Santiago, the place, had very little meaning. And not being a religious, uh, it, it lacks that that sacred connotation as well. Mm-hmm. And on a level of personal accomplishment, it could have been very significant. But by then, I had decided already that I would walk to Finisterre. So I knew that it was not, in fact, uh, the completion of, of what I had set out to do. Right. The reason why it was tremendously significant for me in, in a completely different way uh, is that my wife was, Jen, her name is Jen, Jennifer. Jen was meeting me there. Uh, in and she had Yes, and she had seen <clears throat> me off uh, in Saint-Jean. Oh, wow. And then she had gone, uh, she is able to work from, from a distance, so she had gone to France for the time that I was walking. And then she was waiting for me in next to the cathedral. Wow. So even though the, the sacred element was not there, the personal element was tremendously powerful because um, with my health, it took a, even a little bit longer than I even anticipated. It took 47 days, which includes rest days, right. um, to reach. So we had been apart for 47 days. And the particularly significant thing is that we had been married for a week when I set out on the commute. What? Yes. <laughs> so, okay. so that was, uh, it was uh, incredibly powerful to, to finally see her. And on the Camino while I was walking, I had what? eventually asked her if we could walk to San, to Finisterre together. So I knew yeah. that it was going to be. Stop, 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 stop. <laughs> I can't get past. You've been married for a week. You got, yeah, you got yeah. I knew that was coming. A week before you started on the Camino, like a yeah. week before St. John, you got married. Yes. So, and everyone, uh, that's the, your, your reaction is, is exactly the one that happened with everyone <laughs> on the Camino. People would say, what is wrong with you? Uh, others were, others would say, oh, so you're, you're on your honeymoon right now alone. <laughs> that's um, what it sounds like. Yeah. So, so what happened is we are actually doing our, our wedding reception um, in three weeks. Okay. So what we had decided to do is we have both previously been married and we not, not knowing what could happen with the Camino and, and with my health, uh, we've, we knew we wanted to be married. And some months before Jen just very practically came up to me, sat next to me and just said, you know, we should, we should get married before you leave. And uh, I'll admit I was playing video games in that moment. So I tried to put them down and she said, no, 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 no. Don't look at me. Like, I just, I just want this to be a very casual conversation. So I I guess uh, that was like her unofficial, (laughs) it was her unofficial proposal, I guess. It's, uh, it's funny. We, we think it's, we think it's like very charming and, you know, lovely. So what we decided to do is, uh, you know, we're we we're going to get married a little bit after, but we decided to do it before, and to do it completely privately. Uh, so before leaving for the Camino, 
we went, we took a little trip to Nice, which was going to be our, our honeymoon slash wedding. And we, just the two of us, uh, did our vows, exchanged our rings, uh, cried a lot. And then a week later, uh, she saw me off uh, in Saint-Jean. Why the urgency? Was it was it your health? Was that the urgency? I mean, I'm sorry, I'm still a little confused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so one of the things was, uh, you know, it doesn't it doesn't sound like the most romantic thing, but to to me it, it is, and to both of I us, it is doing I doing it, you know, really privately in that way. But some of the urgency, uh, some of the urgency was a little practical. It's that. I like made a will before, you know, before leaving on the Camino. Um, mm. We had talked about the fact that neither one of us being particularly fluent in Spanish, I can speak rudimentary Spanish, but I think I sound like a five-year-old. Mm -hmm. um, if I ended up in a hospital in very dire condition, we wanted her to have uncontested access we wanted right her to have decision making process right so so those things were all important and um and the other thing frankly is that it, there's some sense of urgency but there was also just uh, some sense of a, a fun and adventure as well as we we had repeatedly talked about doing uh, a reception with family and friends but to sort of elope locally or something to to just have a very private wedding and we the more we talked about it it was it would be really great to do it just the two of us in another country away from everyone and then mm. just sort of pop online with our pictures and say hey look at you know look at this and uh and so there there was an aspect of of fun adventure romance and and also uh, medical practicality so it's it's all of those things together and you know when when you have when you experience things like convulsions and these sort of things yeah. i've gotten concussions some serious concussions in the past because of it i've had some very scary situations and when you're walking in the mountains and and all these places, you don't know what could happen. And we we knew we wanted to be married and to to have that together, regardless. So, what what an adventure you are living! Uh, <laughs> I think so. The the semi secret marriage in nice the 47 days walking across spain uh, a family reception in three weeks um, i'll buy my plane ticket when we get off here and um it's uh, you know and then you mentioned that you're a writer have you are you putting this stuff on putting pen to paper about all this you're going through yes so i do have a book contract i do have a book contract with a, a good publisher in canada um which i can't say the name just yet because they haven't announced it that's fine um but uh i i do write quite extensively about health uh in a lot of 
literary journals in Canada and other places. And I, yeah, I do, I do poetry, nonfiction, fiction, I edit as well. So I, I work in publishing and literature and, uh, and I frequently write about these subjects. So I knew from the start that I was going to be writing about this and, um, and a publisher was quite interested from the start. So, so you'll be writing about the, the walk, the Camino, and can you, can you yes. give us the, the theme? Yes, so the, the book has the Camino as a framework. Right. So, the, the, so it happens within the bounds of the Camino, um, but it deals extensively with, with magical healing and disability, the, the ways that people approach disability and disabled people and the ways that they want to change them, heal them, the ideas that they have surrounding that, right. and which includes cultural ideas. Uh, so it's, it's a memoir, um, but it's a memoir that uh, moves beyond just me and my body and looks at the broader themes and conversations around this sort of thing. So yeah. I also, it was very important to me to also talk to other pilgrims with pain or who were disabled uh, on on the Camino. And it involves other aspects of my life and childhood that uh, in terms of the Camino were quite important. Like I've had an exorcism younger. I was brought to a faith healer. Um, Fascinating. So something like the Camino was a very difficult space for me in more than I anticipated, actually. Um, because of the trauma associated with those things. Okay, that's that's like a whole nother episode. Um, so first <laughs> of all, will you please keep us updated on the process of publishing? I've, I've published several books, so I know that it can be a long process, but keep us updated Absolutely. so we know when it's out, so we can get copies. Um, and then is there any chance you'd be willing to come on once the book is out? Maybe I get a chance to read it and we can just kind of talk about some of that connections sure. to your childhood. That to me is amazing and fascinating and having lived, lived a lot in the spirituality space through my life and written in that space. Uh, I, I wrote a whole book about how basically people are lying when they say they've had, they've encountered God, that so much of that is built around lies mm. and, um, and that religion really perpetuates this idea that God is somehow tangibly present when most people, um, they just make up stories or we about it in order to sort of survive. And so I'm super interested in what you're writing. And um, I hope I get a chance to talk to you about it. Yeah, I'd be happy to chat about it. That's fantastic. Um, you know, before we let you go, is there is there anything you haven't had a chance to say you'd like to say? Anything that uh, just about your experience or coming home or anything that you haven't had a chance to say? Um, I guess I, I just, you know, beyond like the Camino, I was listening to, to you and Mark talk earlier about the, the return right. part. And uh, one of the things I'll say that was very useful for me is that I had listened to quite a few podcasts where they had those discussions around returning. Um, so I think uh, I, I think I had prepared myself mentally quite a lot about the the ideas of that, and I'm surprised in some ways that I'm not missing that much doing all the all that walking. I thought I thought I would miss it a little more. 
and I think like I'm looking, I'm very happy to be hiking again, but also I think because hiking was um, part of my life and my process, uh, my wife and I love to like, go hike on the weekends and I was often doing it in the week as well. So there's still some of that uh, element of continuity there. And I think that, you know, if it's already part of your practice in some way, I think that's so helpful if you, if it's part of your practice before you leave and if you continue some of it after. Yeah. I don't know if that's helpful, but uh, it's just, I, it, it was popping into my mind earlier when, when I was listening to you uh, and Mark in, in the introduction and I was just thinking, oh, that's, that's interesting. I think I, th I thought it was maybe a little bit different for, for what I was experiencing. Hmm. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, and and so much of what we talk about is the th the themes of walking, doing a great trek, a great adventurous trek, like walking across Spain. Those themes can be brought home. You know, you talked mm -hmm. about the human connectedness that you experience when you're walking, and uh, when you're on the phone with family or you're connecting with the people as you walk. That those can be part of our everyday. And walking is this incredible way to be at the same speed as your neighbor, and sort of connect in that in that unique way or whatever it might be and so um uh all to say dominic thanks for coming on we really appreciate it really thanks for having feel, me feel honored by your story uh you'd share it with us and with the community and um everybody if you have any thoughts based on what dominic shared we'd love to hear about it please send us an email send us a note connect with us on instagram Facebook or whatever, and uh, Thomas, thank you, and this has been Cook and Lost. Thanks for getting lost with us. Thank you for walking with us. To stay connected, visit us at pilgrimlost.com. Please comment, share, and respond.